I would like to thank you to, uh, for coming and joining this panel on energy efficient technologies improving fleet performance. This panel will discuss real-time performance monitoring and technologies that reduce fuel usage, enabling companies to achieve fleet performance improvements while also reducing carbon uh, emissions. So this is one of the um, critical uh, topics that uh, ship owners are facing today. I would like to thank uh, Christos Chrysakis of DNB for uh, moderating this panel, and I will let him introduce the panelists. Thank you very much for being with us. Christo, please take over. Thank you very much, Nicola. Uh, welcome to uh, this panel on energy efficient technologies, improving fleet performance. Uh, my name is Chris Chrysakis. I'm a business development manager for uh, DNB Maritime, and uh, I will have the pleasure of chairing this session. Um, last November at uh, uh, the IMO, at IMO MPC 75, we had the first uh, agreement on short-term measures for reducing greenhouse gas emissions from shipping. And at the same time, we uh, see that uh, the European Union is also taking action in the same direction. We have other industry stakeholders increasing pressure on shipping to decarbonize. Uh, some of the most notable examples here are the Poseidon principles, showing the commitment of uh, financiers and the Sea Cargo Charter that is supported by some of the major charters. So this naturally raises the, uh, many questions on how these goals can be achieved. And while we know that low carbon fuels will be an important part of the solution, energy efficiency technologies will be key for reducing the carbon intensity of the fleet. Uh, in the short term, uh, and also for reducing the fuel bill, uh, both in the short and the long term. So uh, then uh, the question is which technologies can help us most moving forward and how we can ensure also maximum utilization of these technologies uh, in shipping. To discuss these important questions, I'm uh, very glad to introduce our panelists today, uh, representing a wide range of shipping segments. Uh, we have Tom Strang with us, Senior Vice President of Maritime Affairs at uh, Carnival Corporation. Welcome, Tom. Uh, in Morning. the program, uh, we have, oh, Tommy just joined us. Uh, Tommy Thomason, uh, Vice President of uh, Merck Tankers. Welcome, Tommy. Rachel Gilmore, Executive Vice President, Marangas Maritime. Uh, welcome, uh, Richard. We have uh, also with us Stelios Psilakis, Technical Director of Synergy uh, Maritime. Welcome, Stelios. And uh, in addition to representatives of ship owners, we have uh, the pleasure uh, of having with us a representative of an oil major. We have Steve Brown, Manager of Shipping Technology at Cell. Uh, welcome, Steve. One. And last but not least, uh, Roberto Custa, CEO and co-founder of Deep Sea Technologies, uh, which is a technology company specializing in vessel performance monitoring optimization. Welcome, Roberto. Thank you very much. Uh, so now we're ready to give the word to our panelists. Um, we know that various ship types have different characteristics and different requirements. So it would be good to hear from you uh, which solutions you see um, making a difference today and how much uh, they can contribute in reducing emissions from your fleet. Um, and you can uh, also say a few things also about which uh, solutions are you already have experience with and what is your experience so far. 
So I would like to start with uh, Tom. Uh, if you can tell us a few words about your experience and uh, what you see making a difference today. Well, thanks, Christos, and thank you very much to Capitolinka and everyone for inviting us here today. I think it's a very important topic, and clearly, as you say, one of the key challenges for our the broader shipping industry. So in Carnival, um, we've spent a lot of time looking at energy saving because it's clear that despite opportunities for us to look at the other pathways of decarbonization, whether that's the alternative fuels of the future, operational measures, really we do need to continue to focus continuously on energy saving and being more efficient. So, you know, in our, in, you know, in our company, we've, since 2005, we've managed to reduce our fuel consumption by over 30%, and that's been done through a, a mixture of both operational and technical measures. The cruise industry is a little bit unique insofar as that we have a massive hotel load on each of our ships, you know, could be up to 15 megawatts of power that's there, whereas in, we might also have another 40 megawatts of uh, propulsion load at the same time. But typically we've looked at, uh, so, we've, so we've concentrated in various different areas. We've managed to do a lot on our hotel load, but the hotel load only accounts for a relatively small percentage of the overall power. Um, but that is the area where we've probably seen the most opportunity. We've also looked enormously, looked at, taken a lot of time to look at um, different things in the hydrodynamics and in the, in the machinery installations. We've entered into relationships with a number of our partners, key at the OEM suppliers like Watsilla, who are the major engine supplier for our group. Um, we've worked with them on performance-based logistic contracts, and those are very, very have been very powerful tools to allow us to at least try to, first of all, try to achieve the kind of <laughs> standards that you should get from your engines when they're new, and then actually improve beyond that, whether that's then looking at your different turbocharger type technologies, um, whether it's looking at different fuel injection systems, et cetera. All of this has helped us in that, in that area. We've got four ships with air lubrication systems on board today, and we've been uh, working together with other partners in industry, and we're happy to share some of the experiences we've received there. You know, those are typically, you know, and that's probably the way we get the single biggest component on our propulsion load saving of around about 5% on average, I would say across the speed ranges. Um, you know, but clearly there are a lot of challenges involved with getting this technology to work. Now, currently, as most of you realize, the cruise industry is in a very difficult situation. <laughs> We're not in the best place when it comes to uh, having ships operating. Propeller boss cap fins, you know, one, one and a half percent. Typically, we've had numerous propeller, different propeller designs that we've tested, some of which have been better, some of which have not been better. But probably the area which we're really seeing the most benefit from from ourselves right now, if I talk about it, is obviously hull coating maintenance, because, you know, if we're only dry docking once every five years, then keeping the hull coating, the hull coating only goes one way, it degrades over time, and keeping it properly maintained is a massive, massive benefit. But as I said, there is on the hotel side, there's also a lot we're doing, whether that's the use of um, low energy lighting systems by changing all of our ships to LED lighting. You know, if you imagine a cruise ships like a city, you know, if you change all those lights to LEDs, you can save an, a significant percentage of your power consumption. The HVAC systems that we have, so, you know, looking at those, a lot of those were designed very robustly, but quite, really quite simply. There's a lot of technology you can bring in today to help with that. 
On top of that, though, you know, I could go on for, for hours and uh, I'd like to give everybody else the opportunity to speak and learn from the others that have been here. But clearly, the other thing that really is important, you know, when I was in charge of the marine operations of one of our groups, it was very clear to me that the most the, the place where most of the fuel was being used is in not setting up the plant correctly or in operational issues. You know, people wanting to run more engines, looking at this in a very different way. So that whole piece is really important. And clearly measuring the performance is really critical. Getting that data on board, being able to analyze it properly is an essential part of what we do. Yes, we've got different, we've got a number of different tools across our fleet in the different brands, which help us do that, whether it's an AnyRam tool, whether it's ABSM, Octopus, they're all out there and, and they can all help you. But really collecting that data, bringing it ashore and allowing the naval architects, the technologists to take a look at it and then helping the operators on board the ships understand where they can save that energy is very important. On our uh, Tom, uh, excuse me, let me interrupt you here. Uh, I will come back to that. That's a very important uh, point. Uh, let's yeah. uh, take a round of uh, everyone else and uh, we'll definitely come back to Happy, happy to uh, yeah. shut up. <laughs> um, let's move to uh, Tommy. Uh, if you can tell us a few words about uh, your experience with energy efficiency. Yeah, thank you, Christos, and, and also from my side, uh, from our side, a big thank you to Capital Links for setting this up and for inviting us to join in with like-minded companies. You know, in most tankers, uh, we, we see a lot of potential solutions out there. We have over, over many, many years been on the forefront of uh, both investigating and testing and also trialing out new technologies to reduce fuel consumption and thereby, of course, also reduce uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Similarly to what Tom elaborated on from Carnival, we have tested different solutions, uh, both to reduce hull resistance or optimize propulsion efficiency, such as, for instance, uh, new types of, uh, of paints, underwater paints, the use of air bubbles also, uh, installation of propeller bus cap fins, as you also mentioned, propeller nozzles, and so on and so forth. We have also gone to the extent of extending emission-free power producers, if you want, so such as the flatner rotors that are shown here in my background on the Musk Pelican, but also other technologies, kites, sails, solar panels, and so on and so forth. Uh, and we have worked on how can we then reduce the consumption, uh, both on the main Indian turbocharger fuel injectors, uh, but also by installing uh, frequency converters, having better controls of the large pumps that we have on tanker vessels, um, optimized power management systems, and uh, smaller bits and pieces uh, on product tankers. We have uh, less people and thereby also less lights, but it still gives uh, a good effect to actually install LED lights. And then I think very importantly, not to forget, uh, we have been testing and trialing a lot of different systems for auto-logging, uh, flow meters, uh, reporting tools to make sure that we have a good transparency on what we do. So all of that means that over uh, many years, we have put in a lot of efforts to both investigate, but also to test and trial and install technology upgrades on the ships that we manage. So we'd like to think that we actually know which solutions work. Uh, and we know more importantly, the combined effect of those technology solutions. And we are very confident that the, the real savings can be achieved by applying the right solutions to the right ships. Typically, I'd say in the range of 15 to 20% uh, reductions can be achieved. 
And that's, by the way, without adding flatner rotors, uh, which are more significant uh, technologies. And may I say also, by the way, with very attractive payback terms. Now, despite those significant savings, uh, we still notice that there seemingly is, is little interest in upgrading or retrofitting existing ships with these solutions. And I believe that's an, an issue we'll address uh, later on uh, in a few questions here, Christos. So back to you. Yep, uh, thank you, Tommy. Yeah, that's definitely something to come back to. Payback is uh, maybe the magic word here. Um, let's move on to Richard. You're involved in uh, gas tankers. Uh, it's, uh, different requirements there. So what, uh, what is your experience? Yes, and let me, let me also start off by just thanking Capital Links and all of you for, uh, for this opportunity here to, to join. Um, and to set the stage a bit on the LNG side, um, the industry itself has gone through a major transition from 2005 to today. Um, and that has been driven um, by two principal things. One is propulsion type. It's gone from steam to medium speed diesel to now slow speed diesel and also vessel size um, from 140,000 cubic meter size vessels up to now the standard is more or less 175,000 on order um, and in, in service. And these combined um, uh, elements have caused a reduction in fuel consumption per ton uh, delivered of about 50%, um, which again equates to CO2 um, emissions, lower CO2 emissions. Um, so it's it's been a good story. Our um, company started with its first, first vessel being delivered, a steam vessel in 2005. And as we ordered vessels, we were constantly applying the latest and newest uh, technology. So our fleet has also gone through the same progression, um, which is all good news, um, but it now leaves us uh, with the harder road to go going forward. Um, the big improvements have been made. Um, we have already selected our fuel choice. We don't have to worry about that one. It's gonna be LNG from now and in the future. Um, so we have continued to look at, at um, measures and have applied uh, throughout this progression as well um, with whole improvements in the whole form, particularly with the bolus bow, um, propeller design, you know, all the things that have been uh, touched upon by the previous two speakers. Um, we took it upon ourselves to put air lubrication on a ship and see what the results were going to be on an LNG vessel. And uh, that's been an operation now for over a year. And we're seeing consistent three to 5% uh, improvement um, based on that. Uh, it varies depending on the weather and the speed of the vessel, but, but it's pretty consistent. Um, it takes a lot of power to drive that thing. So um, we have now got a vessel on order that'll come out in 2022, which will combine air lubrication with shaft power generation. Um, so we'll pick up the additional efficiency of the slow speed diesel in generating that power. And we expect that um, system to be something 6% uh, or slightly above um, when it comes out and we'll get to see how that performs. Um, so these are the, the main things that we have done. Um, and, and through the course, uh, we've added real liquefaction on board, which helps widen the range, operating range of the vessels to keep efficient even at lower speeds. Um, and I would just uh, echo um, uh, a point that Tom made earlier, uh, hull coatings, and uh, that's a huge item. Uh, you know, paint uh, doesn't often get a lot of attention, probably it deserves more. Um, and you can lose between 10 and 20% um, if you start picking up fouling. So we do quite a bit to um, monitor what's going on. And in addition to that, we have on board the cameras, um, underwater, uh, basically an underwater GoPro, 
um, with a rig to lower it down to actually look and see how things are at idle points uh, when we're at anchor or something, because uh, you can't always arrange divers and so forth. Um, so we spend quite a bit of time trying to monitor the condition of the ships and maintain the efficiency as best we can with the uh, whole cleaning, because that is a, a big, big factor. Um, we are exploring other things. Um, there are other technologies out there, uh, and, and we hope and uh, expect that um, they'll develop into something that we can apply. Um, but it's still a bit early days to see just where the next big uh, jump is going to come from. Okay, th thank you, Richard, for this. Uh, I'll come back to some of these points, and I start seeing already some uh, commonalities even between uh, segments. Uh, Stelios, if you can uh, tell us a few words about your experience from uh, Synergy. You are muted. Yes. First of all, thank you very much uh, for inviting us, uh, you and the Capital League. Uh, then, uh, as you know, Synergy is the only pure play cape size uh, listed company. So basically, I will uh, talk about uh, our experience having to do with the energy efficiency improvements and uh, decarbonization. Uh, most of the speakers mentioned a, a lot of uh, things that can be done in order to improve the energy efficiency of the vessel. But uh, first, uh, all these techniques uh, are, uh, uh, you know, considerably uh, reduced when it comes to the existing fleet. You cannot apply all these things to the existing fleet. This is a, a big issue for us. And uh, of course, you can have energy efficiency improvements for the hull by installing, let's say, a, a duct or a, a, like the, the previous speaker said, a, a low friction anti-fouling paint or a, for the machinery or even a, like we do with deep sea, you can improve the operational profile of your vessel by having artificial intelligence, smart performance monitoring systems and things like that. But and the basic thing is uh, to see uh, basically what we can do not only for the uh, new buildings, but uh, they are, you know, sky is the limit when it comes to the new buildings. You can optimize the hull, you can have a lubrication, you can do whatever you want. But for the existing fleet, it will be difficult. And uh, the maximum we have seen is at the range of 15 to 20%. And uh, this is proven crystals uh, with uh, studies we had with DNB and ABS. Uh, you know, we are one of the frontier companies uh, when it comes to the Balkaria vessels uh, that we had uh, uh, energy efficiency devices uh, installed on board our vessels in cooperation with our charters. And excluding the operational performance and the improvement there, uh, which is at the range of the 10%, and uh, Roberto can say more about it, uh, we have seen a maximum 15 to 20% improvement. At, okay, of course, it's, it's important, it's, uh, uh, but this is the top. I think we can achieve for an existing vessel. And then, we, you know, we have the EXI, the Energy Efficiency Index for the existing ships, which is a design index. And we have the CII, which is the Carbon Index. It's, this is an operational index. So, you know, you have to combine techniques and technologies in order to be able to cope with uh, the forthcoming regulations. And at the same time, to keep your vessel attractive for your clients, because I mean, you cannot reduce the speed uh, by 20, 30% uh, the waiting for vessel to be attractive to anyone. So, uh, and then we have, you know, the tier two vessels that are penalized because they have uh, the only way to reduce the NOx 
is uh, to increase the stock. So we have a range of vessels being built uh, from 2009 to 2012-13 when we start using the ultra-long stroke engines that are penalized and we see, you know, specific fuel consumption at the rates of 185 uh, grams uh, per kilowatt, uh, while the modern vessels are at 165 and all these vessels are penalized. Well, so, uh, there are, this is a huge discussion, basically. Yeah, uh, I, I would like to interrupt you here, sir. For that. Yes, I know, uh, I know. But, uh, you actually brought in an interesting aspect, uh, difference between new buildings and existing vessels. And also you talked about attractiveness for the charterers. And uh, we Correct. have next on our panel at charter, maybe not for you directly, but uh, I have Steve Brown um, representing Cell. Uh, so Steve, what is your experience and your point of view on this? Uh, as a, as a yeah, thank, thanks, Christos, and, and yeah, thanks to Capital Link for inviting us today. Um, I, I think I'd be largely repeating um, what some of the other uh, panel members have said already, very similar approaches, um, maybe highlighting the work we did with Tommy on his Fletner rotors behind him. Great, great pitch, Tommy. And, um, and then also, uh, you know, reinforcing the point that Tom and Richard have made around air lubrication technology, which for us has been the biggest um, uh, efficiency gain. We've just deployed uh, Silverstream's technology on an LNG carrier, and that's delivering some, some pretty good returns already, up to around 8%, but we are still um, optimizing that because it, it was only installed last October. Um, but I think the main point, it, rather than repeating the, the other panelists, is to say the important part is, is integrating the technologies into the design rather than just sort of adding them and, and shoehorning them in. So actually spending time with the, with the shipyards to see how, how the holistic design is impacted. And I think Richard started to touch on it where, you know, he's using shaft power generators to power his, his compressors that feed his air lubrication system. So starting to bring the whole plant together and actually seeing a much bigger benefit. And on the LNG side, we're seeing with the, the, um, uh, the most up-to-date designs that are coming through, actually 60, up to 65% reduction versus the 2008 benchmark, which of course would be largely based around a lot of steam in the fleet at that time, but uh, still a massive, massive progress already. Okay, thank you. And yeah, I think the question of integration is also a very important part of the, of the equation here. How you make sure that uh, the whole system works uh, better together. Uh, I would like now to move on to Roberto. Uh, you do not operate any vessels, uh, but you offer technology that uh, can help uh, optimize performance. So maybe you can uh, tell us a few words about um, this and how uh, monitoring uh, can, uh, can support in this uh, energy efficiency uh, improvement. Of course. First of all, thank you very much, Christos, uh, for inviting me in this panel. It's truly an honor to be among uh, the rest of the speakers here. And uh, I think that my perspective is a bit unique because uh, I'm neither an owner nor a charter, but I'm somewhere in the middle, uh, actually monitoring vessels, uh, let's say, from a third angle. So something that I really agree with what Tommy said and Steve here, and also said this before, is that every vessel is unique. And therefore, there isn't one solution uh, to just you know, fit all vessels. It just has to do on a case-by-case -case, uh, basis. Uh, so you need to examine you know, what, what speed does a vessel operate in, uh, what his 
the economic impact of this investment. How old is the vessel? So are we talking about the new building or an existing vessel? So you need to make the right investment uh, on a case by case basis. And this is the, the most difficult thing because you need data to, to understand the behavior of the vessel and then make an investment decision. Because what we very often see at Deep Sea is companies wanting, let's say, necessarily to make an improvement and they many times blindly invest in technology that is harmful to the vessel instead of improving it. Uh, so one example is, for instance, the, the ducted propellers that were uh, mentioned uh, as, as a performance enhancement. So something that I need to state as a third party that has seen hundreds of vessels with high frequency data, on every case that we have examined, ducted propellers improve the performance on a narrow speed range. Outside of that speed range, the ducted propellers can even reduce the performance of the vessel the, uh, versus to its previous state. So now if I were to just list the top three, they're all listed here, but from my, let's say, third party perspective is anti-fouling. So hull coating is, I think, the most important performance improvement. The reason being is that it operates on all given speeds. It doesn't have any limitation. The second would be optimizing the vessel's route and speed, so optimization technologies. And the third would be ducted propellers. But now in terms of what is the return on investment, because you can save 10%, but if you spend 10 million on an investment, it, it doesn't necessarily make an economic, economic sense. So it would be technologies first, just because the upfront investment is very low, then anti-fouling paints and timely cleaning that was also mentioned in the call, and then ducted propellers and, and everything else. Uh, just my, uh, my, my opinion. Thank you, Robert. And I think that's a, a good step to, uh, to move to my next question, uh, which is uh, on the impact of uh, all digitalization, uh, data availability and uh, uh, monitoring. How can uh, real-time performance monitoring and uh, even maybe even artificial intelligence uh, technologies help reduce fuel consumption and enable uh, uh, owners to, to reduce uh, uh, your fleet performance? So maybe uh, we can start with uh, Tommy this time. Um, what is your experience uh, on that? And uh, also, how do you see this moving forward? Yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, thanks, Christos. And, and uh, so the shortest answer would be, we know that uh, applying uh, real-time performance monitoring tools and on top of that, artificial intelligence technologies can greatly help reduce the fuel consumption and also enable companies to optimize overall fleet performance, time charter equivalent. And the reason we know that is because we have been working on developing such tools and solutions for a number of years now, and as uh, most of you would probably know, uh, we have also recently spun off a separate company uh, called Zero North with the aim to take these solutions to the market and thereby help the entire tramp shipping industry uh, to both improve on, on TCE, but certainly also reduce emissions. So whether it comes to uh, enhancing an individual uh, ships or a whole fleet performance, um, underlying that increasing the earnings and reducing the CO2 emissions, there, we believe there is a vast and, and untapped potential in utilizing the data insights. But simply collecting those data isn't enough uh, to secure that you have a real positive and impactful change. 
these data need to be turned into to real actions. And uh, I think one of the biggest challenges in the industry, and that's in the ship, shipping industry, is that the, the data uh, today are very siloed and they are not in a standardized or structured format. So what we do in Zero North uh, through a tool called Optimize is that helps customers on the journey to make uh, their data actionable by advising which data to collect, uh, get the right data in there, and then connect that with data from other relevant external sources in whatever format they might come. So uh, in, in other words, we take the unstructured data and we bring it in together with the external data and provide this uh, you know, uh, decision guidance tool to the operators on the individual ship level, but also on a fleet level. And we know it holds vast potential in uh, optimizing the individual ship performance, whether it's on its uh, route here and now or the next route or the next voyage, and uh, certainly also overall for fleet performance. So uh, that's my short pitch on that. Christos, back to you. Thank you. Uh, Richard, you also mentioned monitoring. Uh, maybe you can tell us a few words about what is your experience with that? Sure, we um, used try to use data effectively. I can tell you that, um, but I say try because I think there's a lot of data that comes in off the ships that we have not yet been able to fully mine and fully utilize. Uh, as, as we could. And um, actually we have a couple of programs running right now trying to improve our data, data analysis uh, tools, um, which we think will, will um, provide uh, good positive results. Um, the areas where we really focus using this data at the current time is uh, maintenance planning, trying to keep the plant as efficient as possible and um, uh, making sure that the Timing of overhauls, uh, if it's condition-based or whatever, we're getting the right data back and understanding the, the condition of the machine. Um, and if we see it deteriorate, uh, make the uh, move to, to upgrade or, or um, overhaul it. I think the other area that has been uh, very effective is getting the data back. Um, so the engineers here can be monitoring the ship, but also um, now with many of our vendors, they can also um, step in and help troubleshoot so things do not stay in a, in a negative uh, area for long. They get uh, you know, put back into proper working order, um, even if it requires vendor assistance. Um, I think you know, an area that we're all gonna be driven to um, with IMO is also trying to harness all of this data and put it in the formats needed for reporting with uh, CII and uh, um, ESG reporting for companies and so forth. Um, and actually, we've had recently charters, some charters asking us uh, for emissions data and um, for a particular voyage and, and because it's now becoming part of their dialogue with their clients. So, so data is all around us and, and the trick, I think, is to try to um, apply it as efficiently and effectively as possible. Um, one last point I, I will make is just um, that uh, in the LNG business, um, our ships generally are on time charter. Um, working with our charters is an important element in trying to optimize um, the fleet and the use of the fleet and the efficiency uh, of each voyage. So we do that. Um, and I think the charters themselves spend quite a bit of time and, and probably Steve will have some thoughts on this, uh, trying to optimize their data and how they deploy the fleet and, um, and send it around the world. Thank you. Thank you. And maybe that's a good uh, point to to bring Steve in, in that discussion. Uh, yeah. How do you use the data or how would you like to use the data from your side? 
So thanks, Christos. Yeah, and thanks, Richard, for the mention. Yeah, I, I think um, maybe to mention first, we introduced our digital platform in uh, in Shell for the LNG carrier fleet in 2011. And just through its introduction, um, so no other hardware other than high-frequency data loggers, we've we've achieved 14% savings from the chartered fleet. And that, that's more about having data, being able to act on data. So things I think that Richard's starting to, to indicate, we're looking at things like just-in-time arrival, much better weather routing, and better triangulation between um, the ships so that they're laden more and in ballast less, put simply. But also it's, it's uh, as well as, uh, you know, looking at data and, and seeing what it's telling us, it's also digging into the data with data analysts and seeing what we didn't know as well. And we've started to develop some tools, one called JAWS, which is a hydrodynamic optimization tool, uh, which is delivering some really, really good savings at very, very low cost. I mean, the, the cost is only a data logger. Um, and that technology is now rolled out on a number of the ships in the, and, and Richard and, and his ships are using that al already. Um, also uh, using data in ports. We have a, a project called Pronto where we have sort of digitalized the port exchange and, and through that um, initiative in, in Rotterdam and it's on trial in Houston as well today, uh, we've reduced waiting times by 20%. So there's just some examples, Christos, thanks. Thank you. Uh, maybe again, a little bit back to Roberto before uh, going to Tom and uh, Stadios. But uh, Roberto, how can uh, a tool supplied by providers like yourself, uh, how can you help also with the processing of the data? We heard uh, that uh, just collecting the data is not enough. You need to do something with them. Um, exactly. Thank you very much, Christos. This is an excellent, uh, let's say, lead into, into um, my thoughts on this because now we're at a time where many companies have tried data in the past, some have yielded results, and many haven't. And the key is that artificial intelligence is to be used to process the data. As we know, vessels are very highly complex. So a vessel fuel consumption depends on the speed, on the draft, on the wind, the wind angle, on the salinity, water temperature. So if you list all of these parameters, it becomes a very, very difficult problem to solve. So what many companies end up doing is they try and eliminate many of these parameters and end up simplifying the problem enough, uh, which leads to them knowing in a good weather days what the fuel consumption is, but no one really having a clue what the fuel consumption should be in severe weather. And this is a very, very difficult problem. But this is where artificial intelligence and such technologies are very, very powerful. So by using artificial intelligence, you can actually capture uh, the behavior of the vessel and how it behaves under all of these conditions. For instance, at deep sea, uh, we use over 40 parameters to understand how the vessel's external environment influences fuel consumption. And now the interesting thing comes that if you understand how the vessel behaves, you can also optimize it. Because if you don't know how much the vessel consumes in three meters wave height, you can't really know when to diverge and when, and when to go through it. So with Synergy, for instance, and Stelios can testify to this, we done case studies with 10% savings with a fixed ETA. And then that is very important. So everything the same, no other investment, just better route speed and trim combination yield 10% savings. And this is real. And I, I really hope that many of the people watching this will, will embrace this technology because it's at the state where you can yield tangible results. Thank you, Roberto. I would like 
I would like to move back to Stelios. Uh, Stelia, you talked about uh, the challenges of existing vessels. I want to ask you, what are the challenges when it comes to data, uh, even data collection on, the, on an older vessel uh, that is not equipped for that? And then how can you take that step forward? Well, um, like you're using data. Okay. Um, we are doing it. Uh, we believe in that digitalization, smart technologies, uh, will become a necessity in the next years rather than a choice. You know, a few years back it was a choice, but now it will become a necessity. So uh, we are collecting data from our vessels uh, for the past uh, five, six years. And uh, we have tried uh, various things and uh, we ended up that, um, first of all, you have to fed, to fed the system properly. Uh, I mean, uh, we are using mass flow meters, torque meters, uh, you know, give, providing system with data from various locations. We have installed the inclining uh, meters for being able to calculate the trim of the vessel. Uh, so, uh, because uh, basically you have seen that by using artificial intelligence and uh, smart systems, you have uh, past data. You have uh, performance monitoring, you have voyage estimation, you have route planning, you have predicted weather conditions, you can alter the vessel, you can deviate the vessel, you can increase or reduce speed and achieve the same results. And at the same time to reduce the energy footprint of the vessel. Uh, so we have stopped focusing, uh, uh, you know, on the charter party conditions and in cooperation with our clients, uh, with major charterers, we are trying to find ways to improve the energy efficiency and the energy profile of our vessels. This is what we are doing. Okay, thank you. That's uh, very good to hear that this is also happening. Uh, um, Tom, uh, back to you. Uh, what is your experience from uh, monitoring? And uh, you might also have some operations that are not as flexible when it comes to times of arrival and um, you have other restrictions. Uh, so what, what is your um, view? Yeah, no, thanks for the question, because and I think, you know, a lot of the other speakers have answered the questions already. You know, we, I think we're all doing very, or we're all trying to do much more with the data. You know, we have the advantage that our ships are all diesel electric. We have an advantage at some times that very often we're on track itineraries, very common itineraries, very similar itineraries. And therefore you can do a lot of in-depth analysis. You can get really good data over the, from history, from what the weather conditions are going to be, and you can be very predictive, you know, and, and we look very closely at that. ETAs are very important in our business. Obviously, we're dealing with passengers. You know, we have the only cargo that talks back and they get very upset if you're not there on time and you haven't delivered the perfect um, cruise. And clearly, weather routing is very important to us. But I think the challenge, you know, there's also introduced a challenge. Yes, we've got the SVOP meters on every engine, for example. You know, we're looking at the con individual consumption of the different consumers and, we're and we monitor that. We're probably not where we need to be on the artificial intelligence space. I absolutely agree with Roberto. I think there's an enormous amount of opportunity there. You know, we have an awful lot of data coming off our ships as well. I think what it, one of the disadvantages at times is our ships have a lifetime of 40 years. And so very often, you're, you're trying to find a way to get specific data off a particular piece of equipment with an interface that was obsolete when it was put on the ship. And now it's almost impossible to find ways to interpret it. But I think we found mechanisms and a ways around that. We have our in-house monitoring systems, and then we have those people working on it. 
But it's really critical because, you know, then educating the officers on board, you know, the human factor, you know, we can lose much more through the human element than we ever can through the automation. And it really is a challenge to, you know, but frankly, we have the advantage of our own training facilities and we, we have the ability then to make sure that the technology, the understanding is rolled out and providing simple systems on board to help the officers to, to optimize in the best possible way, but using those shore-based uh, facilities and capabilities. Now, we have enough difficulty with getting some of our ships to trim by the head because of the design. So you have to find alternative ways as well. Now, we've got lots of, as I said before, lots of different tools. The question is, is then making them effective because despite what everybody would like to say, you know, we may have 11 ships of the same class, but each one has a slightly different upgrade on different equipment. And then what you thought you could do the first time around doesn't necessarily work the second time around on the second and third ship. So really working for us, working with the, uh, with the OEMs, working together, you know, we've got relationships, you know, we've been talking to Merce, we've been talking to Shell, we've talked to a lot of other players in this space. Even though you might not think there's an obvious link, really the experience you've gained and the opportunities of sharing are phenomenal. And I think that's really one of the powers of this opportunity is as we look to those things that we move forwards in, we can really work together and help solve some pretty standard problems. You know, we've got LNG fuel ships, if it hadn't been for the fact that we'd worked together with some of the gas suppliers and the tanker operators, we wouldn't have been able to understand where we can make those advantages. And all of this leads to phenomenal savings if you play each of those cards correctly. Thank you, Tom. I would, I would like to take the point of working together and uh, ask you the question of uh, how can we work together as an industry to, uh, to ensure that there is uh, maximum uptake of, uh, of the technologies that we know that are working. For example, we heard from uh, uh, several of you uh, about your experience with thermal lubrication. It seems it's working. Uh, it might still be a relatively expensive technology when it comes to CAPEX, so the payback time can be quite long. So uh, what can be done to help the industry work together in terms of owners, charterers, and maybe even technology providers um, enabling uh, maximum utilization of such technologies. Maybe, yeah, we can start with you, Tom, since you already. I, we've, we've, you know, like I said, you know, we're members of coalitions like Getting to Zero and others. We've got our own individual sector trade associations. And quite often you're reluctant to share information because you can see competitive advantage. But in this particular space, I think, as we end up, you know, we were all tasked, we've all set ourselves, I think, the goal of decarbonizing. And the only way, it's no use reinventing the wheel every time. You know, to me, it's really important that you work with your equip, your OEMs, but also we learn what can happen in other sectors. Because something that we may be doing in the cruise sector might not immediately be apparently applicable in the dry bulk sector or into, you know, an oil tanker. However, we've actually found that when we've had the opportunity to talk, there's a lot more commonality. There's ships after all, we're pushing large blocks of uh, steel through the water and there's opportunities that we can see. And I think in this particular space, this is not about competition. It's about learning the lessons and avoiding the pitfalls. You know, as I said, we found air lubrication to be helpful, be useful. We've shared that experience and what we've we're now on the second or third generation of pumps that are being used by Silverstream and these other companies. And that's made a massive difference to the payback period. 
you know, we found ways of improving the apertures in the hull, et cetera. And if you share that, then there's an opportunity for all of us to learn and to get there faster. Standing still isn't good enough. We need to move. And the only way you can do that is being agile, but you've got to listen to what other people have learned. Thank you. Uh, moving to Tommy, uh, you actually mentioned payback time. And uh, in addition to learning from each other that Tom mentioned, is there anything else we can do in working together? I don't know if it's a possibility to share costs and benefits, for example, or other types of um, uh, initiatives. Yeah, Chris, as I believe there is. And uh, first of all, I agree very much with Tom that we need to, uh, we need to solve those issues uh, together. Uh, as, as I also indicated uh, under the first question related to existing hardware and, and solutions out there, we actually agree that the split incentives is the main reason that uh, despite the significant savings that you can achieve by applying the existing solutions, there seemingly is, is very and surprisingly little activity in upgrading and retrofitting a large part of the existing uh, fleet or ships with these solutions. So we certainly also agree that we need to involve both the charterers and the finance side uh, to align on incentives and thereby enable the introduction of, of these solutions. So part of the involvement, uh, thankfully, has already started you know, with initiatives like the uh, Poseidon principles being introduced by leading shipping banks, uh, the later introduction by, by uh, some of the leading uh, charters of the Sea Cargo Charter uh, through Global Maritime Forum and Getting to Zero. So part of it has already been initiated, but there is clearly still a lot more to do in aligning incentives. And uh, in most tankers, uh, together with, uh, with like-minded partners, we want to utilize our knowledge and know-how and experience both within the field of you know, technology, fuel reduction, emission reduction technologies, but certainly also within the chartering sphere uh, and the finance area to, to really participate and take lead and drive this change across the different players in the shipping industry. Just like Tom started by saying, this requires cooperation and we wanna actively participate in, in driving this uh, alignment of incentives through the industry. Thank you, Tommy. Uh, I'm mindful of time, so I would like to ask the next few speakers to keep themselves to about one minute. Uh, I would like to move to Roberto. Uh, how, how do you think that using data can enable such collaborations? In, uh, well, um, well, thank you very much for the question. Um, the, the main, because again, my perspective is quite unique, as very often we find ourselves in between the charter and the owner uh, as, as, as a data company it is very important that the incentives are aligned. I agree 100% with Tom and Tom in, in what they previously said, in that currently the problem is that the charter pays for the fuel and the owner doesn't have a very clear incentive to do so. So what currently happens is all owners in reality try to comply with the charter party agreement, send good weather days, they report good fuel consumption, but outside of these limits, they can report whatever they want because it's outside of the contractual limits. So the, the question we need to ask is, how do we create a, a framework, an incentive structure that would change the industry? So for instance, I think the Sea Cargo Charter and the Poseidon Principles are excellent steps in the right direction. Also, ride ships grading system is an excellent step in the right direction. Because if charters, for instance, said, if a vessel is graded A or B or C according to that framework, 
and it's a framework that both owners and chargers agree. And the good owners will want to agree because they will jump at the opportunity to show how good their vessels are. So if you create that structure and it's tied to an incentive, and I'm just going to say some rough numbers, but let's say 300 USD if your vessel is graded A as a premium, then it then directly creates an incentive for an owner to really try to make their vessels more efficient because there's a very clear and tangible return. So I, I believe, sorry for going over the one minute, that we shouldn't wait for the IMO to regulate this and demand for owners to have data, but rather create a framework so that the industry changes rapidly and organically. Thank you, Roberto. Uh, Steve, uh, over to you. You're a charter known for oh. many requirements to owners. What is your view on this? Uh, well, I'll go really quick because, again, I think Tom and Tommy have, have, have said the, uh, many of the points I would have made. But I, I think a point to the Sea Cargo Charter as a great example of how this is starting to be addressed you know, through, through data collection and recording, um, we, can, we can measure progress against the IMO ambitions. And from the charterer's point of view, we can uh, have better integration of climate considerations and also factor those into our chartering decisions. Thank you. Uh, Stelios, uh, what is your view? Uh, well, uh, yes, Christos. So, uh, first of all, we have to change our mindset. And uh, we need to uh, collaborations based on the trust, uh, transparency, and uh, above all, we need to learn to work together. I'm not saying it will be easy, but uh, this is the only way going forward. And um, I can accept that it may be difficult for uh, some persons, you know, to understand the benefits uh, from using uh, smart systems uh, or energy saving devices. But uh, I guess this is mainly has to do with the fact that shipping is a complex industry and the persons who are dealing with the operations of the vessels uh, do not have interference with the, paper, with the commercial desks. But uh, I will give you an example. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very sorry to interrupt. Uh, I would, I would don't like have to, time. I would like to <laughs> yeah, give the opportunity it's, 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 it's okay. okay. to say a few words before we close. Uh, we really need to close. Uh, but I take your point on collaboration. Oh, 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 of course. Uh, Richard, uh, last few words from your side. Okay, and just uh, then quickly on collaboration, um, you know, I, I think that is going to be the key to uh, finding solutions going forward. And just as an example, uh, when it came to the first air lubrication system, uh, we collaborated with the shipyard. We wanted to see if it would work on LNGs. They wanted to also get um, knowledge in this space. And so we ended up with a, a cost somewhat shared between us on uh, that as a test program. Um, and I think those kinds of concepts uh, will go forward in other areas as well. Um, and I think with the charters, uh, we maintain an active dialogue with them. Um, they're looking for solutions. We're looking for, you know, solutions for the future ships. And, um, and we find that those come into charter requirements going forward. And, you know, that then helps pull the industry forward uh, ourselves and others. Thank you very much. And uh, I would like, uh, with this, I would like to thank you all for participating in this very interesting discussion. I'm sure we could continue uh, speaking about this topic for hours, uh, but this is the end of our panel. Um, I'm uh, pretty sure uh, this is going to be a very important uh, part of the solution moving forward, energy efficiency. And I'm very glad to continue actually uh, all these exchanges with all of you. Thank you very much and uh, hope to see you soon.
Thank you, Thank you. 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 Thank you.